What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus for and by queer women of color community. Um, and actually, we are weekly because it's what month, Nikita? It is Pride. P-R-I-D-E month. You got that right. So we are still celebrating the Pride Month through the pandemic in the same way that we celebrate when we're not uh, sheltering in place, which is dropping um, weekly episodes. That's right. For your listening pleasure. Uh-huh. Okay. So this week, um, I am Money, also known as uh, Protest Bay, because, you know, I was looking real cute at the rally. <laughs> yeah, you really were. You had, your, you had the gams out? You know, you can't show up for black life looking all raggedy. You really can't. And <laughs> I am Nikita, and I am your friendly neighborhood ranting and raving professional looter. <laughs> okay, Nikita. Um, what, what the fuck is a professional looter? A professional looter is a job that only exists in the imagination of right-wingers and some liberals. Yeah. <laughs> they showed up by the busload downtown, I heard. Apparently 3,000 <laughs> 3, professional agitators, rioters, and looters were supposed to descend and on downtown Syracuse on Saturday during a big uh, action that we put on. That um, shit is so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Professional rioters. A, pro- a professional looter. Like, what <laughs> what, kind, what? would you have to put on your CV or your resume? Do you to have to do a, a-, demonstra- a, a demonstration? Do you have to prove <laughs> that you can loot so fast in, like, 30 seconds? How many stores do you have to loot before it's like professional? Professional, right? Because it's like some, maybe like some people like loot as a hobby. (laughs) And then there are those of us who take it to the next level and we're like, no, we're professional with the shit. Profesh. Yeah, actually, Um, it's so funny. I'm just, I'm just, it's like couldn't have been a perfect time for an uprising because I just got my professional looter certification last month. So. Oh, yes. It was really time to show and prove for me. You were studying for your PLC. I heard that. (laughs) That's why they they boarded up all the buildings. I I remember now. Well, congrats on your PLC. And uh, (laughs) let's drop the intro. When you got your PhD, I was like, I need my professional looter certification. So you inspired me. You inspired me. Thank you. You know, well, greatness begets... I was about to say hashtag community. <laughs> <laughs> What's that um that uh, social media thing that's going around? Like we are women, we lift each other up, not tear each other down. <laughs> so. <laughs> Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. 
Hey, every type dark snipe, right? It's light, I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. You love. Why do I do a podcast with you? Cause I'm a stone cold fool. Uh, All right, Nikita, you want to tell folks uh, where they can find us? Yes, you can find us in all the social media streets. All right, so you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. You can also find us on the Book of Faces, facebook.com slash QueerWalkPod. You can also find us where this whole shebang began. Which is Tumblr. Go to QueerWalk.com. And where can folks listen? They can listen to us on Pocket Cast, CastBox, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and other major platforms that stream podcasts except for Spotify. All right, Money. You and I are the co-hosts of this illustrious and this month weekly Insurgent Weekly Audio Syllabus, but it takes a community to sustain this important resource for Mm -hmm. queer women of color. So how can those in the Queer Walk community, or especially those who are new to the Queer Walk community, how can they contribute? I thought you'd never ask. So um, some ways that you can contribute to Queer Walk. There's two major ones. The first one is by loving us out loud. Do the R's. You can rate us on any platform that you listen to us on. Review us. uh, Request a topic or a Queer Walk of the Week. Repost the episodes when we post them. Retweet us when we're on Twitter. And use the hashtag QueerWOC to talk all things the podcast. You can also send us an email or submit a Curve Chronicle at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. These are all ways to help sustain QueerWalk that costs you nothing. But the second major way you can contribute does cost you something. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's the monetary uh, contributions, which are equally important. Um, podcasting is not free, and neither is life as a black queer woman. Absolutely. So you can contribute... Thank you for the amen corner. You can contribute uh, like a single time donation, you know, no commitment, uh, as much or as little as you uh, can afford at the cash app, which is dollar sign queer walk pod pod. Or if you would like to become a sustainer, which is a monthly contributor, um, monetarily to the podcast you can head on over to the patreon and become a patron and that's patreon.com slash queer walk pod pod um like we said that helps uh continue and further queer walk the podcast we have some um suggested donations monthly there but you can give as much or as little as your pandemic pockets can afford (laughs) 
pandemic pockets. How accurate. <laughs> Nikita. All right. You want to move it on along? Yes, to I do. To the queer walk. You fucking queer walk. Nikita, you are you're unsure of yourself when we distance I'm record. I need you to you. commit. I'm unsure. Are of you, you ready? You we know how we do shut the fuck up. You know how we do this. Oh my god, this just <laughs> got unsafe so quick. Are you ready? Yes. For the queer walk of the week. Of the week. You ruined it. It was better. You ruined it. You you slow down and you look at me with this. <laughs> Crazed look in your eye, as <laughs> if you're ableist, you're, trash. You're, you're trying to like telepathically like sync us up. It's like there's gonna be a little delay because it's a video chat. Okay, who died and made you Steve Jobs? <laughs> since you know all about the interwebs and technology, jeez. I mean, since I'm the one who edit, I'm just saying. Um. Are you also, uh, another way you can contribute to Queer Walk is help us on the social media front. If you know anybody that is good, uh, preferably a queer woman of color who's like good with the social media, social please. Meets. Yeah, because we desperately need help. Desperately. Because yeah, um, Nikita, Nikita's like a grandpa and I just don't be having time. Booked and busy. Joking. <laughs> what you doing during the pandemic? I'm more like unhappy and underemployed. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about a little more accurate. <laughs> okay, fool. I'm about to move it into the Queer Walk of the Week. Okay. So the Queer Walk of the Week, our second Queer Walk of the Week for Pride 2020 is freelance photographer, grassroots organizer, and trans Latinx community builder, Jesse Pratt Lopez. So I'm going to tell, tell y'all a little bit about Jesse. So born in Cali, Colombia, and raised in Las Vegas, she now resides in Atlanta and is a proud trans Latina immigrant. She graduated from SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. This year, shout out to class of 2020. Woo, woo. We're doing amazing things. Um, she graduated from SCAD with her BFA, and um, she pri- primarily worked on like doc- being a documentarian and a photojournalist like during her time in her program. Um, but her work ranges from like experimental digital pieces. You can check this out on her Instagram too. I'll make sure I link her photo Instagram. It's it's aesthetic as fuck. Um, but yeah, so she she does like introspective self-portraits, and then, like, these really experimental digital pieces. Jesse said that the, like, theme of her work is, like, personal stories that dissect gender and the performative role that gender plays in society. Hmm. So whether it's through her photography or her activism, um, Jesse uses her platforms to help queer and trans folks of color, which is why she's Queer Rock of the Week, Undocumented folks, HIV positive folks, and and all of us whose identities are like criminalized and erased uh, by society. Her, she wants her work to help us step into our power and see that there's beauty in our realities. Mm. One of her quotes that I loved from her websites is, "We have more to offer the world than our trauma." Oh, that's a word right there. 
ain't it? Went outside of her art in photography, which again, the link to her Instagram, jprattlopez.photo, is in the description to this episode. I encourage you to check her out and follow her. But outside of that, she organizes with Southern Fried Queer Pride, which I love that name. (laughs) Yes. But so you know that's right up my country ass alley right there. Southern Fried Queer Pride is a deep fried Southern queer and trans art organization and festival based out of Atlanta, Georgia, but they have chapters like all over the deep south. Um, they are actually having a like weekend of pride events at the end of June. Um, so check out their their Instagram too for that. You know, hit up all the Zoom parties you can. And when she's not organizing with Southern Fried Queer Pride, um, most recently, Jesse has raised $1.8 million since the shelter in place shut down in Georgia for homeless just, black trans women. Did you just say $1.8 million? Why, yes, Nikita. $1.8 millions of them things uh, for the black trans women fund the homeless black trans women fund that is phenomenal yeah um so they had a goal of two million and they're like two hundred thousand away from it so i absolutely think we they're gotta gonna make it. sure they get to two million yeah so this is a fun for the community of black trans women that live in atlanta um who are sex workers and or homeless uh and uh Jesse started this after meeting Ravon, a black trans woman struggling with houselessness and like just being becoming really good friends, sister friends with her and discovering the ways that there's like no resources for trans women in Atlanta. Um, I was telling Nikita before we started recording how similar Ravon's story sounds to um, how Diamond described like moving to Houston, and it was like, you can't stay in the men's shelter because you're a woman. You can't stay in a women's shelter because you're a trans woman. And they won't let you stay in the LGBTQ shelters unless you're HIV positive. So it's like, where do folks end up going? Um, Yeah, and so when Jesse, like, through knowing Ravon, like, saw this landscape of, like, uh, resources for houseless uh, folks in Atlanta, it basically leaves black trans women, like, nowhere. Um, out, yeah. yeah, and with a, a killer pandemic on the loose and killer cops on the loose, you know, like, yeah, we we need to house uh, black trans women. Sh- shelter and safety. Absolutely. Yeah. So far, um, the uh, homeless black trans women fund has been able to get five black trans women uh, cell phones and hotel rooms during like this pandemic time. Oh, and got two others like stable housing, like not hotel housing. Um, this this is just amazing. Like paying somebody's rent and like getting them a place yes, to stay. Yes. So life changing. Money from the homeless black trans women's fund uh, has also been used to cover food, um, utilities and like basic necessities because we know that that also comes along with um, like housing, housing, housing people. Yeah. Um. And Jesse said, like, since Atlanta had almost no resources, I took matters into my own hand. And that she did and uh, raised almost $2 million so far. You can also donate. So there's a GoFundMe for the um, Homeless Black Trans Woman Fund. But you can also donate directly. 
so that they can avoid that 10% GoFundMe fee at Cash App, which is dollar sign JP Lopez 22, or Venmo at Paige Turner, which is P A E G E T U R N E R. And all this info will be in the description to this episode. Please, if you have like an extra few dollars, every little bit adds up. Like, I think over 660,000 people have contributed to this fund, right? So it's like, Five dollars per person really adds up. Adds up, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we see so um, thousands of people donated to have almost two million dollars. So it's not, it's not about how much you can donate; it's that you do. So absolutely, um, absolutely. And like, what a better way to celebrate um, Pride Month than to give to the community that is the reason why we celebrate Pride in the first place. In the first place, yeah. And the, the last thing I wanted to in this segment is a, another quote from Jesse, And she says, in violence against trans uh, women and sex workers by investing in their safety. And like I, like I said, all the links to do so will be in the description to this episode. And we thank you so much, Jesse, for all the work you were doing for our trans sisters in Atlanta. Yeah, this was amazing. Thank you so much um, for highlighting Jesse and her work. And, um, you know, this extremely critical, crucial, and important fund for uh, black trans women. So, I mean, this is just huge, and it's amazing. Yeah. And, again, I feel like we all need to do everything that we can to make sure that they get to that $2 million. Yeah, yeah. All right, Nikita Alizé, you want to move it on along to community contributors? Yeah. <laughs> they can't see your jazz hands, money. Please stop. No. <laughs> that was so bizarre. Uh, can you I'm, tell I'm the folks? Put my, no, no, no. I'm putting my foot down. We're gonna stop this com- community contributors nonsense. This it, every time I hear you do that, it gets worse than the last time. We can no longer. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but it's gonna be a no from me, dog. <laughs> All right, Randy. Well, can you tell the people uh, what Community Contributors, the segment, is? Yes. So the Community Contributors segment is the place where we get to hear from you all, our community. It It's where we highlight the folks who make this podcast possible. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, no, nope. this... I'm going to go ahead and do the first one. No, you're not. All right. I feel like I'm like a little annoying um, normally, but I feel like I call money no less. Like if I call Montanique three de- three times a day, that's that's a light day. I'm going to post a screenshot of my call log so they can see. It's like Nikita and then in parentheses 27. <laughs> so, so they can see how much I love you, how I check in on oh, you, how don't. I care about you. What don't. a hard life you must lead. What a hard life you must lead to have people that care about you so deeply oh and that gosh. love talking to you <laughs> and that feel such a sense of rejuvenation every time they talk to you. But you is know, it, Martinic, we can fix that. We can fix is that. It, or do, or do, are you just bored in um, the pandemic? Because I, I didn't hear from your ass when you was working 12-12s. For your information, I still lead a full life. Nikita, what did you do today? (laughs) Did you even put on clothes yesterday? (laughs) I did. (laughs) You didn't. And so what? 
So what? I like to sit on my couch naked during the pandemic. It's my body, my choice. So if you want to body shame me, then by all means. You know, if that makes you, you feel good. Does it's it? so fitting. You want that? It's so fitting that you do the word. Because the same way you get annoyed that people use terminology wrong, you weaponize it and hide. Weaponize? All your... How dare. I will not. I you hide all not... your, your um, personal shortcomings under. Shortcomings. I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. <laughs> All right, Nikita, come on. I can't wait to read this new review. Do it then. All right. So the new review from, I don't, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this. Aya Domine? I think so. Aya Domine. Aya Domine. Five stars. Aya has entitled the review, Finally Catching Up. Being at home has meant I can go back to the last Queer Rock episode I listened to back in October. But I couldn't resist first starting with the latest episode, and I'm so glad I did. Dr. Money. Dr. Money! (laughs) It is a joy to hear you and your joy after celebrating the end of your journey. Congratulations and biggest thank you for bringing us together. It's been essentially... It's been especially helpful during these times. Well, I guess Nikita is just chopped liver to Aya, but that's okay. Thank you so much for that wonderful review that was all geared towards money. I'm not upset. I can share the spotlight, but that's great. I will write a review to thank you um, and celebrate you for getting your professional looter certificate. It's harder than you think. It's a very dangerous job. Very dangerous. Somehow I can conceptualize that job more than I can conceptualize your actual job. But that's me. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, thank you so anyway. much, Aya. And yes, um, Nikita, you were very missed. That's That was all the comments when we posted the last episode. Everybody's like, Nikita's back! No, I, you know, I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I, in all seriousness, I really, we really do appreciate um, that review. And the community, I love when I see that people are always saying congratulations, money, because it's, you know, I think a lot of times you've talked about like how isolating it is. And I think that this is such a good reminder for you that you have such a large community behind you, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I, even I, even when they're not directed at me and, you know, my ego, even though it takes a slight hit to my ego, at the end of the day, I still appreciate when people tell you how much they love and appreciate you and how proud of you that they are. Thanks, Nikita. You know, I guess there's always, a, um, you know, there always has to be a sidekick. And, you know, I know my role and that's fine. You're not, you're not a sidekick. We, it's, it's fine. I think we take turns being the sidekick. Like, over the weekend, I was definitely the sidekick. And I, w- I was living for it I was, people were talking about you and I was like <laughs> that's my friend I know her <laughs> you're so ridiculous alright so do you want to read the next one or should I keep going I mean I'm feeling it I could keep going you're on a roll go ahead All right. It. so the next review is from California Daydreamer 5 star entitled Dark Girl in a Milk World I'm so 
so happy I found the show on Apple Podcasts. I'm in California where gay women of color are hard to come by, so getting off of work and putting in my AirPods and listening to these two have kept me laughing and staying intellectually on track. Speaking of, let me tell you how milky my world is. The first time <laughs> I ever heard of the what? This is the first time I've ever heard of the watermelon woman. Oh my god! Oh my, oh god. my gosh! We we should b- like bleep that out. <laughs> that's no, that's okay. That's that's why we exist, so we can introduce uh, other okay. queer women of color to the. Oh, don't even get. I'm sorry, I'm about to go way off track talking about the watermelon. Nikita woman. will will break down crying. Okay, if you know, if you listen to the show, you know how I feel about the watermelon woman. Anyway, uh, California Daydreamer goes on to say, I struggle with finding movies, books, and shows that can pertain to my life or experience. Don't we all? And thanks to y'all's show, I'm on a movie binge and book reading binge on all the recommendations. So please keep them coming for a dark girl lesbian in a milk world. Oh my God. Nikita, you know, we are the audio syllabus. Maybe we should make it like actual syllabus of like all the things that that we. Um, Well, um, well, we have nothing but time in the pandemic. (laughs) So why not? For real. For real. That's the like benefit of doing um, really good show descriptions too, because like we could just go to the show notes and see what we reference to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Throw it in. So we can have an actual syllabus to send to people or that to make would be available. So great. I'm excited That'd about that. That'd be dope. What are you watching or reading right now going off California Daydreamers uh review? Oh no, why would you ask me that? Um like uh black lesbian or or queer women of color recommendations. I'm not reading. I'm not doing anything. I was having this real raggedy situation with my internet. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, I haven't been watching anything and I haven't been reading either. Nikita Alize is not reading? No, I've been busy. This is, this is slander. I don't believe this. I had class. I mean, the last book I read was Conveyors, Monorails, and Racks for my class, but, but that's not okay. anything to do with <laughs> I mean, you, you know that there's some listener who just perked up and like, say what? Monorails? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not going to be remotely interesting to anybody. But um, one of our listeners, shout out to Mel, asked me if I was going to read Looking for Lorraine by Amani Perry oh, yeah. about Lorraine Hansberry. And like, I think I stole it from you. And so that's been on you my did. list to read for a long time. So mm-hmm. normally when I'm, I think I've said this to y'all before, like I get in these modes where I'm like really like trying to read thematically. And so... I was reading yeah. all this stuff about labor, but I haven't really gone back um, to any of that. So I'm in a little bit of a mm-hmm. lull. And then, like, I guess we'll talk about it in a little bit. But it's like I had class, and then we had, like, that yeah. big action. Because I had all these yeah. goals, and then, you know, the uprising happened. And, you know. Exactly. The revolution the gears, was The gears shifted. Yeah. I, th- so. I don't know why I thought you were about to say guillotine. I mean, that yeah. too. <laughs> Shout, Shout out, out to, to Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, I have some recommendations. I was going to ask you, what are you watching and or reading? Well, um, I have... So, reading, um, I am not 
yet reading, but I got as a graduation gift, uh, The Stars and the Blackness Between Them. Uh, and it's a young coming of age uh, novel about two, yeah, two black girls, I believe, um, in um, Minneapolis, uh, because the oh, author is from Minneapolis, yeah, who like fall in love with each other over the summer, right? So all of my favorite things wrapped up in one book. I, my my summer recommendation is The Stars and the Blackness Between Them by Janata Petrus. I think her last name is Petrus. And she's from Minneapolis. So shout out absolutely, to Minneapolis. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to put a link to the oh, book yes. in the show notes. Um, And my watch recommendation. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to talk about this. So uh, I've been trying to teach myself how to roller skate all um some uh, all quarantine almost like uh so I just quickly the what I do is I get really interested in something and I go really deep into it right so I just quickly got swept up into black girl skate world um and at this like same time there's an HBO original show called Betty which is about um teenagers in growing up in New York City girl all girls who skateboard and when when I tell you what? I love this little show and it's just so like random and like why is this a whole episode but still kind of cute because they're like ages 17 to 20 and it just feels like an actual snapshot of like a a day in the summer as like a late teen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Most of the crew is queer. Uh, there's all these like really cute queer girl um, relationship things. Uh, it's just amazing. I just love it. It's such a cute little show. It also feels not like adults um, set back just like thinking about what teenage girls are up to these days. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? It, like it felt like there were actual 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds in the room like, putting the script together. Yeah. Uh, and so, if you have access to HBO, I completely recommend Betty. It is so cute. So cute. So cute. Um, and even the moments that are, like, ooh, shit. Shit is getting real. The girls are just, like, like actual youth that we know right now, right? Like, yeah, politically yeah. sharp. Um gender expansive like all these things they understand how race and racism functions to like shape their worlds it's just so cute it's so cute i love it um and i also love the fashion that i just wish that i wasn't such a huge uh nerd in high school and that i would have taken more risk with fashion so those are my recommendations okay i'm gonna have to check those out you should yes All right, so because this is a um, Pride Month bonus episode, we won't do a mental moment or a word, so we're just going to move it on into the topic. Can I talk about the weekend before we get into the topic? Oh, you want to do the weekend before the topic? So, uh, Nikita, take it away. Like you. All right. Sorry, I'm just really excited about this. I know, that's why I'm like, I'm not going to intro this guy. With all of the uprisings around... Um, the police that have happened. Um, so I'm a part of BLM Syracuse and we put on a rally just this past Saturday and we had like between 2000 and like 2,500 people show up 
at this rally. So it was like a mass action, like a mass rally. And I mean, I guess I'm feeling like really like energized and excited by it and about it because it wasn't just us, but we did it with these two organizations with like young people. And when mm-hmm. I say young people, it's not just, we're not talking just college age, but we're talking about like high school students. High schoolers, yeah. So earlier, so when the rebellions popped off, I guess it would be last last weekend, um, everybody was like, like a lot of people locally were like, how come y'all aren't doing nothing? Why aren't y'all doing anything? And then we found out, uh, somebody got in contact with us and was like, hey, there's young people who really feel compelled, young people of color, young black people who really feel compelled to do something, but they don't know how. So I want to put them in touch with y'all. And so I was like, you know what? Like, let's just really slow down and let's work together with these young people and like show them the ropes of like how to Mm. do this. And so we were like, you know what? If it's the difference between waiting a week to do an action, yeah, yeah, and show and like developing new leadership, it's like we'll do it. Mm-hmm. And there's literally been some kind of march, protest, or rally every day um, since the since the murder of George Floyd, yeah. right here in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. This is not a big place, and so I feel like I've been in this place when it comes to organizing, where I'm just like, I feel like I just, and I think it's. I get the impulse to always want to get out in front and do something immediately. But I I think I've just been thinking a lot about how can we just be more strategic? And it's like, I think we probably could have slapped something together immediately, but I'm like, like I know in our organizing scene here, it's like every time you go to like an activist, anything, you know, it's always going to be the same people. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, so I'm like, what are we doing to actually help develop new leadership and so i was like again if it means that we and again people were out there in the streets it's like we don't own organizing in the fight against injustice so we like people can keep doing what they were doing and so we put on and there was like a lot of it was like um so we took our time and like and the kids are so amazing because we were like, there's been a lot of marches, uh, but like the thing that we really wanted to prioritize was um, specific demands, political education, and analysis, because mm-hmm. it just seemed, mm-hmm. uh, from our perspective, and like some of our members had been at these actions, we were like, they were like, it's not, there's not really a, as much political education as there should be, right? And the young people, they were like, you know what? More than just having speakers, they were like, we should have some performers. Like, we should have some, like, art and culture in there. Yeah. And so the, it was a, it was basically speaker, performer, speaker, performer. And so we did it right out in front of City Hall. There's, like, steps to go up to City mm-hmm. Hall, and that's where we stood. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, the day of, we're frantically trying to get stuff together. Um Oh, I should say this. So there's this silly rumor that I've, I've and I read an article about it because like every time our local chapter tries to do something in yeah. the city, there's always some racist who, you know, who's always like, who threatens to crash our event yeah. or to like cause trouble. So it's like we take safety and security like very seriously. 
But there was like at the beginning of the week there was murmurs or mumbles. And then like towards the mid to like the end of the week there was just all these rumors about how the KKK and white supremacists were going to come with guns and try to attack people in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy fuck, like that's really scary. And, but I started to look and like every rumors, like every person that was spreading the rumor, it was like, it felt like a talking point because it was like almost the same phrase verbatim. Yeah. It was like, it was like, I just got a call that there's 3,000, a bus load of professional agitators, rioters, and looters coming from out of town, and they're going to start attacking and looting. And so, again, like I said, when we've done stuff in the the past, there have been actual, like, racists who have, like, wanted to try to, like, bust up or fuck up what it is that we try to do. So it's a a claim that we take seriously. Mm -hmm. And so the morning of, somebody sent a message. They were like, the bus, they're like, I just got a call from my cousin, in Buffalo, and they said that the the buses are coming from Buffalo now with the professional looters, and I just died <laughs> laughing. And I, when I read that message, I was like, "It's like you know we still prepared," but I was like, "I think we're gonna be okay because what organization, what national organization would have the resources? One, and would be like two. You know what? We really need to fund some professional looters. <laughs> like, it's just." But I say all this to say that it was it's a tactic and I read that like a lot of in a lot of other cities organizers were like getting that same rumor was spreading. Mm-hmm. And it's basically an attempt to keep people out of the streets, Home. right? To scare yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And it's like it wasn't just like people who were trying to detra- detract from our message and our action, but there's a lot of people who are new to organizing who and you see that yeah. you know, holy shit, yeah. I'm like afraid. So that's when I, like, when I got that message about the professional looters coming by bus, I was like, I think we're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And so we get there, we're at the top of the steps, you know, we're frantically setting up sound and we all march, like we all go up the steps and we look out and I have never seen a sea of people yeah. that big yeah. in in the city. Yeah. And it was like... It was like a lot, a lot, a lot of young people. And I think some people came like from like neighboring cities, but it was overwhelmingly, um, I think, people from Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. I was so fucking proud of y'all when I saw how many people came. Like, yeah. like I was just so, I was just like, those are my friends. <laughs> like, just like can't believe that you all like like galvanized that mass of people yeah in a week in a week yeah and the thing that was so amazing to me was that because it it was two hours Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but because we were standing out looking at like we could see the crowd and you with every speaker with every performer you could see the people in the crowd hanging on the speakers and performers Every last word. Everybody was like, so good. F- so good. And it wasn't like people were like fidgeting. It was like people were like totally zoomed in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel like one of the, one of the like messages that we keep getting is that a lot of people were like, I feel like I learned so much. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I mean, it's like that is exactly like what we set out to do. You know, and, like, in the grand scheme of things, not even in the grand scheme of things, just, like, in reality, it's, like, 
It's three relatively small grassroots organizations who put on like, you know, this massive rally. And so, uh, it's just amazing to me. And I'm like, and I was telling like the, the kids that we were working with, I'm like, you all have so much to be proud of. Cause I'm like this, I'm like, you all like made history and like, there's so much, you know, to be proud of. And it's like, and it's like, there's a part of me that's also petty because everybody was like, where are y'all at? How come y'all not doing nothing? And it's like, you know what? It's like this, it was worth waiting for. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I say this on the show all the time. It's like, it felt like I'm just excited about it, which is why I just wanted to share a little bit. But also it's like, and I think this is also kind of a theme nationally, but it's like this stuff isn't just happening and like... New York City and Chicago, but I saw like it's happening in small, it's like smaller and like small towns. Like yeah. I saw a mostly white rally in fucking Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. like small places here in upstate New Homer, York. New York. Are, yeah. Homer, New York is yeah. like where in the hell is that even? You know, and it's like, <laughs> and, and and again, it's like there's it, there's something about this moment. It feels like it feels like. The scales have tipped like pretty, like dramatically yeah. when it comes to like, like people like realizing and choosing the side of justice. It's like we see Minneapolis just, you know, I mean, it, it remains to be seen what it's going to look like. But like in a nine to four vote, the Minneapolis Common Council or City Council was like, okay, we're going to disband the police. And it's like, like defunding the police, you know, it's like, it's like on its way to becoming, like it's now in like the mainstream, like political discussion. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, and that's like, it's so wonderful to me that we're talking about this. And I think we mentioned it on the last episode that like, we're talking about this. It's like a lot of people, I've seen this meme going around where it's like, you know, people said that pride you know, it's canceled this year, but it's like, it's like, actually, this seems like one of the years where we actually have gotten back to its roots. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Of mm-hmm. like uprising um, and rebellion. So yeah. I just wanted to just, you know, talk a little bit and just give up, just that like wee little report back from up here in the hinterlands <laughs> oh in gosh. upstate New York. I mean, I know, Nikita's not going to say it because she's um, like humble. When she wants to be on mic, but off mic, she'd be like, bitch, I'm the shit. Um, My she, shit, don't you? I don't. I don't even speak that Nikita way. was just so, uh, like, I mean, we uh, we all know. If you listen to this, um, I definitely know from knowing her that she's brilliant. But she was just, like, so on in a way that I haven't seen her in so long on Saturday. Like, she just makes these demands sound so, like, accessible and doable uh for people and i and that was just so needed because the crowd i was surrounded anyway by people that i'm guessing were like high schoolers maybe like first years in college so so to make um and they've grown up in this time that they've seen major movements for liberation and what they can do and so I think it doesn't feel like a far reach to sell them on abolishing police either. Um, but Nikita was just like, I was in the crowd and I was like moved to tears hearing people 
like repeat the words that she was saying. And I was just like, you you are teaching. This is like education. Like this, you are teaching. But also you're just um, creating um, community. It's just like all these people feel like they can do this now. Um, not just right now where it's heightened, but for the long-term vision. Yeah, like you're, yeah. you investing in younger organizers is seeing that this is this is a long term like freedom is a long term prog- process and absolutely yeah i've just i've like never been so proud of you i was so oh proud oh my god um that means so oh freaking gosh. much to me yeah and i just uh i i guess i also wanted to say that i think what feels uh, cuz i i kept hearing people ask like, what's so different about this moment? Like, there's a lot of white people. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. um, like, mm-hmm. young people. Like, what's different this time around? And I think, you know, everybody's been in the house for three months. And yep, yep, yep. they've really had to, like, face and grapple, like, what it looks like that we live in a society that doesn't care about people. Right? So, whether that's through, yep. Yep. like, health care. The, pa- yeah. Um, people losing their jobs. Uh, ha- being cut in income and and be being give given twelve hundred dollars for three four months to survive on. I think people have really had to sit in their house and deal with that. Like, yo, shit. Like, they really don't care about us. Yeah, um, this is a shithole country. This is a shithole country. Uh, and 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 so when you just see the numbers of like. Syracuse as a city spends this mil- many millions a year on police. People yeah. get fucking angry, right? Because they're like, "You, right. you mean to tell me uh, <laughs> I'm I'm and left?" We... Go ahead. I'm I'm just thinking like this is my thought process, and I definitely know that other people share this. Is like, you mean to tell me uh, they show up, <laughs> they show up like suited with all this riot gear. Um, and I'm left to survive on twelve hundred dollars. And Syracuse for routinely, routinely ranks at the top of these um, lists around the highest, you know, concentration of Black yeah. and Latinx poverty. And it's like, yeah, you know, I feel like the one of the one of the things I think I think about a lot, and I think that that's really powerful. And I feel like I might have said it on the show before is that it's so important to always be rubbing the contradictions of capitalism in people's faces uh-huh. because it's like because you, you say the people in power say we never have money for the things that we right. need it for, right? right? for the things that sustain life. But there's no problem. Nobody thinks twice in terms of the people in power when it comes to investing in the things that actually you know, are part of death making. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm like, there, in this city, I'm like, there are children, babies that go to sleep hungry. Yeah. They don't have a place to lay their head, but this, but in this small city. The city schools were delivering school lunches because there's so many kids that depend on school lunch to eat lunch. That's, that's the kind of like poverty that this city sees. Absolutely. And and these fucking cops, Nikita, these SUVs that the cops have in Syracuse, yep. like they look like some some like futuristic shit. Like, 
Yep. Like computerized dashboards, uh, the the bulletproof glass on the like what? Yep. It's this, this. It's like the SPD, the Syracuse Police Department, has a Humvee. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why do you why do you have a vehicle that we know is associated with war? Mm-hmm. And I, that shit is expensive. But like on like literally on the way to the rally, I saw so many homeless people. Yeah, so many homeless people. Nikita, you remember that homeless person? The the white homeless Who had guy that on the shirt court? on. Of he, George Floyd? Yes. We saw this yeah. homeless guy after after the rally with a yeah. um a shirt with George Floyd on his shirt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's... It's, you know, it's a, it's a houseless white guy, but right. he knows. Right. And I, I'm, I'm sure the police have harassed that, you know, that houseless white guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like people can make these connections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, that, it don't like, take much. To... to to like have to you know um do some like hustling or witchcraft to get some food for the day it's like yeah absolutely i, I know absolutely. that reality and the police have fucked absolutely. with me during that too yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so what a weekend um it, yeah it was pretty wild yeah amazing um, thanks to Nikita all the uh the cool kids of Q's are going to be saying the unmitigated gall so that's oh fun. <laughs> she was like giving her speech and she goes, the unmitigated goal. And the crowd goes, the unmitigated goal. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I'm old. I guess like part two of the topic we wanted to cover today. Okay. Broadly, it's like lesbian gender labels, right? Yeah. But... Um, we should talk specifically about, like, why we wanted to do this topic. Yeah. So, first of all, shout out to Dr. Sammy Shock, uh, who Always. put this on our radar. Yes. Um, so this topic is, like, inspired by a Twitter, I'll call it a conversation, because... That's putting it mildly. It, it is, but, like, white lesbians are just so bored that they, yeah. I don't know, it's like... <laughs> Uh, get a life. But um, basically, there was this article in the New York Times about um, like butches and studs. Um, it's a real ashy, real late article, but we'll put a link to it so you can read it yourself. Um, and it, but the I guess the good thing about it is that it highlighted like the fashion and the accomplishments of all of these masculine presenting queer women. And Roxanne Gay, a personal fave, was one of them. So in in her interview, uh, she referred to herself as a bisexual butch, and woo were the white lesbians mad, enraged, um, <laughs> big mad, <laughs> um, adding her, calling her everything but a child of God, um, because how dare this fat black woman call herself a this bisexual fat black butch. bisexual woman? Yeah, yes, yeah. I think all those things, like yeah, yeah. The the white le- the white girls was mad. Um, so basically the like if if this is being real nice too but if they were to have a point their point was that um kind of like two things one that Roxanne isn't uh 
uh, masculine enough to call herself a butch and also that butch is a specifically lesbian term and that yeah. uh, bisexual women should not call themselves butches yeah. and you know dr sammy was rightfully like mad as hell <laughs> at these um weird ass white dykes on <laughs> on twitter twitter talking yeah. and, uh, trying trying to make points where there are none um and wanted us to talk more about it. So, where do we even start? Um, um, okay, so before we get into the actual Twitter back and forth, uh, why why did we think that that article in the New York Times was ashy, Nikita? Well, I mean, even just... I mean, I was kind of skeptical of it when I first... When I even read the title, right? Where um, it's like... Queer culture and the arts would be much poorer without the presence and contribution of butch and stud lesbians whose identity is both its own aesthetic and a defiant repudiation of the male gaze. And I just thought, I don't know, it just felt so strange to me to be talking about um, butches, studs, and... Mm-hmm. And like their contributions, or I, I should maybe I should include myself in that. Like our contributions to like expanding our culture. ideas of like gender, culture, and masculinity. It just it just seems so mm-hmm. bizarre to be talking about that in terms of the male gaze. It feels yes. like it just felt like nineteen ninety four women's studies to me. It, it just it, it just it feels, feels out yeah. of date to me. Yeah, it feels like a paper that um, one of my like first year WGS one on one students would yeah. would turn in. Um, I just think it's it's ridiculous on so many levels. Like this whole that they're defying the male gaze thing. It kind of like just assumes that men aren't attracted to masculine presenting women, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like we know that's not true. Right, right. <laughs> like what? Uh, that's kind of silly. Um. And, like, to me, anyway, like, butches aren't just, like, defying the male gaze, right? Like, there's a lot more happening um, with women's masculinity than just, like, centering men and, like... I think that's why... That's exactly... I mean, you just perfectly nailed why I was like, why are we talking about this in these terms? Like, that's why I said it feels old. It feels dated. And especially when we think about just how how like we're thinking about gender so broadly in general right, these right. days i'm yeah. just like to bring it back to to men um just just felt kind of really weird and bizarre mm-hmm. i'm like why are you mm-hmm. like why are you talking about this uh like like this especially in terms of yeah uh cis men and it's so funny because um the author is quoting somebody as right at the beginning of the article and it's like and the person uh Casey Legler says um we exist in a realm of masculinity that has nothing to do with cis men i'm like that's like right that's like right in the first paragraph so i'm like what right. are you doing baby why are you doing yeah. that yeah 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 i mean it's a I think I hear people say this a lot, but like masculinity doesn't belong to cis men, right? Exactly. It's, it's a exactly. gender expression exactly. that anybody of any gender can have. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah. It, it the whole framing of the article felt like, "Ha, take that, boys." Yeah, that's I- exactly <laughs> it. And I'm just like, "What?" And then and then there's like this um weird part of the article. This is why I say it feels dated because um and it might just be like Oh, no. So, like, this is, like, the author, like, editorializing herself. And so she's like, to many people, butch style, quote-unquote, remains an an oxymoron. There's a prevalent assumption that we're all fat, frumpy fashion disasters. Our baseball caps and baggy pants suggest to others that we don't care about self-presentation. And yet, again, one of the people she interviews... In the article is a menswear. It's like a it's like a menswear right. model. I'm just yes. like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you look. At, you you just gotta go to Instagram and see all the queer fashion, That's it. Yeah. like all and especially all the butch stud and there and even there's all these new, um, not even like that new, but like all these um, little boutique shops that are like menswear or like masculine yeah. wear for folks who, who yeah. aren't. Um, cis men. So it, yeah. that's why I'm just saying, like, maybe that, yeah. maybe in like 1990, right. but even then, that doesn't, like, I don't even think that that's accurate. Right. But I'm just like, I mean, I guess because the, now that I think about it, because the article is written in the New York Times, I'm like, I guess one of the questions that I would ask about this piece that I didn't even think of until we were talking about it, like, who is the audience? Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, like, for this piece? Because I'm like, there's, that bush butches dyke studs don't have style excuse what that's that's this would have been an interesting angle for the article is to actually talk about how like butch stud um like fashion has transformed the landscape of menswear right like exactly men's fashion has changed because of butches studs ags exactly and think about come on come on and you even think about, think, and th- I feel like we've talked about this on the show before. A sweater that an old, straight, cis, white man would wear. You know, a, a young, black stud yep. is, could wear that same sweater and just, it, it, it would just be a whole different, like, a whole yes. different aesthetic. Look good as hell. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. so, like, this idea that a prevalent assumption among who? Among who? Uh, who? Yeah. Who? Who? I, people who think that, um, like, women valuing their, like, presentation only looks like feminists. Exactly. Like, that's the only people and, who would think that. I hadn't even thought about that. And then, and so, yeah. like, she goes on to say, like, because, like, this this really silly thing that she says about a prevalent assumption about us all being fat, frumpy, um, fashion disasters... And so she and so she goes on to say that um, it's not that we're careless; it's just the fact that um, we're not out to appease the male gaze. And I'm like, it's so. I'm like, That's and I think so this is why the whole thing about the male gaze is ridiculous because it's like, yeah. like it, it would be interesting to think and talk about like. What's sexy about butches? Like, like obviously that's not right. the male gay. So it's like right. when right. I'm dressed up in a certain kind of way, like who right. who am I trying to signal? Right, the people but, that think the people that I'm like trying to like put the vibes and the sexiness out to think that that's cute. Uh-huh. Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It reminds so, me of uh, Cree. Uh, 
the uh, lesbian erotica writer that we did the live with, Kree is a lesbian, she talked about that, right? Like, whenever butches, studs, masculine women are talked about, it's not about, like, what's sexy about them. Like, what attracts attracts us to masculine-presenting women. And it's just so boring to continue to have this conversation around, like, um, like, resisting the male gaze. Like, It's like when I'm getting up in the morning, when I'm getting up in the morning and I'm trying to look fly, I'm not thinking, well, what would the gentleman think? I don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> that is the last thing. The that gentleman is caller's my... not going to like this. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay. So, so as we move from that, so yeah, the article's dusty. So as we, uh, move from that to like kind of what the conversation was on Twitter about Roxanne and why that was ridiculous. I wanted to give a little context of the word butch and also like other lesbian gender labels. And I know Nikita is definitely going to jump in on this because we were talking about it's kind of like a a lesbian rite of passage as a, a grad student to look into this. Yeah. I remember early, early in our friendship um, I had posted this photo on Instagram and you commented, is that Ming Young Moore's lipstick or Timberland? <laughs> <laughs> and we've been besties ever since. Ever since, <laughs> yep. So the word butch, um, there's actually like a lot of uh, etym- etymological like misunderstanding around where it yeah. comes from. But uh, it it like peaked in its first uh, iteration of popularity in the 1930s. Um, and it kind of came along with other terms like bull dagger, which is still one of my favorites. Easily. I don't know why. I just love bull dagger. Um, and bull dyke. And uh, butch was kind of like popular around those same times. And it basically uh, just meant a masculine presenting lesbian who sometimes frequented the clubs and the bars. The bars. Um, It was also like a haircut. So like the kind of like the box like faded on the side. Like kind of. Yeah. Of which I would say, you know, it's still. uh, (laughs) I was just thinking that's made its way back around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where like Butch got popular, right? Lesbian club scenes in the 30s and stuff. Uh, and it was all these categories. Like you would come into the club and people would be like, are you a Butch or a Femme? And if you were neither, they would call you a Kiki. It's like a good time. Like you can go either way, basically. Uh and I was, like, listening to this uh, video that Allison Graham did. Uh, she also has really amazing uh, fashion. She does him fashion on Instagram. Amazing. Um, but she did this video for um, They where she was talking about um, butches were basically the fringe lesbians, like, during this time. They were the working class lesbians. Yep. They were the black or uh of color lesbians they were the political radical lesbians during the like 50s 60s and 70s and a lot of the like mainstreamy white feminist uh, movements of the time like tried to like sideline them silence them or push them into being more feminine and respectable because they would say things like butches were conforming to like heteronormativity because then the the couples would look a lot like hetero couples with like a masculine yeah. presenting and a femme presenting. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so Butch kind of like fell out of popularity in the like 60s and 70s because of this. But it saw its resurgence um, in the late 80s and the 90s, largely thanks to uh, bar butches, they were called, which was like basically the dykes who was at the club every day of the week (laughs) started like reclaiming the term and like using the term butch again to describe their gender presentation. And the ball scene that used the word butch in categories that measured masculinity, like butch realness. So it got back popular, basically. What's boots of leather, slippers of gold, Nikita? Oh, so and this is a book that's, that actually is old, but there's this book, uh, Boots of Leather, Slippers of Gold by Kennedy and Davis. That's their last names. I don't remember their first names, we, but we got a link to the book on um, in our show notes. And so basically this is like a historical kind of like historical sociological account of like uh, working class lesbian communities in Buffalo, New York. I found this book a long time ago and I was doing research on this shit many moons ago. Just to like re- reiterate Money's point about how this is like an identity and, and an aesthetic that really emerged in like working class communities. And so one of the things I, I haven't read the book in a while, but I perused it a little bit before we talked about it. But they like to like to Money's point that. Actually, the thing that's really interesting about the bar, the bar scene in like the 40s, 50s um, and 60s and even uh, back in the 30s is like for the butchers played a very key role in like welcoming like lesbians into this into the quote unquote scene in the community in the bars mm-hmm. and like a lot of and they and in this book, they talked a lot about how um, like there's this one uh, butch that they interviewed and they and she was talking about how like she remembered i think she said something about how she would see these baby butches and they were all wet behind the ears and so they had to bring them <laughs> in and like show them the ropes but it wasn't even just bringing in other butches but it was like they kind of had this like ambassador role within like the whole right, right. um community yeah. in the bar scene and then there was another it reminds really me in- of stormy Stormy, exactly. Yes. And so one of the other interesting things that they mentioned, because like, you know, around this like class component was that in, I think they were saying in like the 40s and 50s, a lot of butchers, so like at night they would go to the bars and they could dress how they want, but they really struggled in the day because like there's this one story they recounted where uh, there was this uh, butch, Bert. It's like, why do we all have these same nicknames? Anyway, <laughs> so Bert was working at the phone company um, during the day. And so she was talking about how she liked it when it was winter because when it was winter, she could wear slacks mm-hmm. under under her skirt. And then she was oh, like, well, Bert can- was a cable girl. Yeah. And so Bert mm-hmm. was like, can I just can I just wear slacks? And then, you know, they were like, the boss and like the people in charge of her job were like, you can't just wear slacks. And so like they talk about how, you know, butchers were like navigating that in like the forties and the fifties. But then they said, and it's not a coincidence given the rebellious nature of the decade in the sixties, what happened? um, They had this part in the book. I can't paraphrase it because I'm not going to be able to find it, but they were talking about how in the sixties, a lot of butchers were just like, fuck that. I'm just going to do a lot of like, 
hustling and side work because I'm not going to compromise yeah. on my, like, on my presentation and on right. my, in, in the way that yeah. I dress. But it's interesting in the 40s, and, like, one of the points that they were making is that, like, in the 30s, you have to remember there was that Great Depression. Right. So there was, like, a, there was, like, a, a broader, like, economic factor that shaped, like, you know, that kind of made it so that you kind of had for for the better for the lack of a better phrase to live that double life in terms of how you dress but like as like butchers started to find um like more jobs where they could um you know dress like how they wanted yeah and then as more people get into that work and as more people get into the scene you find more community you you can become a lot more defiant and say fuck mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and something that i think is interesting is like even in my own life in like, terms of like the own my own aesthetic that i'm drawn to it's like when i think about a lot of the like kind of the style and aesthetic choices of dykes so much of it reminds me of like working class like the working class aesthetic of like the 40s and the 50s. So it was like mm-hmm. the rolled up denim, a certain kind of boot, yeah. you know, like suspenders. Yeah. It's like all that shit is like, mm-hmm. it's like workwear, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is why m- money's never been on a construction site a day in her life, but desperately wants a car heart. It's like, it's like a. Excuse, why did you need to drag me in your discussion of the the not, fashion that you like I'm okay? not dragging you but I'm saying it's like an aesthetic that we're like that a lot of us are drawn to and it's like and I'm just trying to point out like the there's like an interesting I like, still want a car heart I like think it would be so cute you would I just say that there's like an interesting um, class component and like labor component to that there is yeah yeah even like the the Thames you exactly. know it's like that's a work boot it's a work boot yeah and so Kennedy and Davis say the changes in the 1950s Buffalo lesbian community are best symbolized by the appearance of a new style of butch, a woman who dressed in working class male clothes for as much of the time as she possibly could and went to the bar every day, not just on weekends. She also <laughs> was streetwise and fought back physically when provoked by straight society or by other lesbians. Her presence anywhere <laughs> meant potential trouble. And I, I just like love that. I love that. You know what I mean? love it too, cause it's that's that's basically what it gets at, right? So butchers are disruptors, yes, right? Exactly. And like, yeah, yeah. So who, who else but Roxanne Gay called himself a butch? Exactly. You know, <laughs> and I, I think I saw some of those, uh, some of those uh, sad, pitiful uh, white lesbians were even saying something about the fact that Roxanne Gay wears like mascara. I'm like, are we really doing that? Really, we're yeah. gonna do that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. her whole Twitter presence is like bombastic, fuck you, and over the top. It's like, right? Like how right. how is that not a part yeah. of a butch demeanor? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. What what uh younger may be saying? I'm a bully and a boss. Like yes, okay. that's that's exactly Roxanne Gay's whole whole presence politically and on Twitter. That's like the the gender presentation and the, the where the uh, term comes from. Yeah. But, oh, I just wanted to talk about, like, this um, faux point, because it wasn't a point, around, like, her calling herself bisexual and using the term butch. As if, like, other queer women outside of lesbians can't use gender labels like butch or stud or stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that that to me is just so... It's just so backward, and it's like it's so two thousand and late. Like I just can't believe that 
somebody would like make that kind of silly, silly ass argument in 2020. Again, and I feel like I say this all the time on the show. I'm like, there's so many ways in which, as a community in particular, but as a society more broadly, it's like we're like really pushing and rethinking a lot of these ideas around gender, but you want to hold on. Like, I just feel like that's so silly to be like, well, you're bisexual, so you can't be butch. It's like, girl, get a life. Get a (laughs) Get a life. Pretty much. Make your sourdough and shut the fuck up. Sit there and eat your baked goods, Susan. Okay? Yeah, basically. You said what I was thinking. Like, it's a... Um, these labels describe like your gender presentation, not your sexual orientation. So yeah, that's like that's like, like gender one on one. I'm like, and, why are we talking yeah, about this? Yeah, and why would Roxanne lie about it? Why it's would like, she? That's just, yeah, why yeah. would she make that up? She was like one of the only black women profiled for this article, and exactly. so it also it also feels like a disciplining of black women. Like you can't call yourself what you say you are. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, how you know? But I really feel like mm-hmm. I want to talk about, like, the the race part of it. Oh, yes. That's what I was going to... Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So what you're going to... Oh, what what I was going to say... Uh, it, well, it has more to do with, like, stud. But I think that... Yeah, that that is a thing for me. Like, these, these labels aren't necessarily, like, sexual orientation specific, but race specific. Like, uh, to me... Like, there's certain uh, gender labels for queer women that I only hear black women use. And, like, black black women and, um, like, women of color have, like, created terminology for our yeah. gender expressions. That it feels really, like, weird and, um, uh, what is that word? Appropriative for, like, white queer women to use. Mm-hmm. So, like, stud is definitely one of those words for me. Like, I yeah. think only, only, only if you're a girl of color can you call yourself a stud. Right, right, right. I feel like AG. AG, that, definitely. That feels yeah. culturally specific. Yeah. Um, I think I, that one is uniquely black. That's uniquely black. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think the th- the interesting thing about butch, I think for black women, black lesbians or, like, other black queer folk who uh, use the term, is that it feels like an age thing. Like, I I don't... I think I remember, like, reading this, like, a while ago, but I don't encounter many black lesbians or black queer people under the age of, like, 50. 50, yeah. Like, calling themselves butch. Which is not to say that I never hear it, but it's, like, rarely do I hear, um, yeah, like... yeah. Black, black, black queer people of a certain age use the term butch. What, what do you hear younger black masculine uh, women calling themselves? I think I still I agree. F- Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, because I agree. When I think like butch, I think like um, Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah. Ab- yeah. I don't know if she like personally identifies, but she gets, she gives me old butch vibes. I hear, I hear stud. Although, yeah, I hear stud, uh, B-O-I, boy. Boy, um, yeah. I feel like at one point, maybe not re- not maybe not maybe as much in like the last like five, seven years, but um, I feel like I used to hear people call themselves like STEM, like mix of stud and femme. 
Yeah. That, in yeah. my world, mm-hmm. it feels like that has, like, fallen out of favor, but that was up there. I liked that. That was popular in yeah, college for me. Yeah, Like, people call yeah. themselves STEM. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, also, like, different delineations. There's, like, soft stud, hard stud. Yeah, let's talk about all these, like, this terminology that we have as lesbians. And, um, yeah. So, I think... I've heard people say like masculine of yeah. center or masculine yeah. presenting. I've heard too. that. I think that absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's actually. I feel like I hear that way more. Yeah. More. Yeah. So like. So okay. So we already have this sketch of Butch, yeah. right? So like older lesbians, like uh, the owls, the older, wiser nice. lesbians. Um, masculine presenting. Okay. So then, what would come next? I feel like let's just think of examples. Okay. So, so stud. So when, like, when you think stud, who do you think of? Stud. Just stud. Not soft stud, not hard stud. Just, just stud. Hard stud. Hard stud. Uh, Snoop from The Wire. Snoop from The Wire, yeah. definitely. OMB Bloodbath, definitely. Who? Um, Bloodbath. OMB Bloodbath, the rapper? I had never heard of this person. Let me- she. Oh. OME. Oh my gosh. Bloodbath? B. Yeah. OMB. Bloodbath. Oh, I I see them on Instagram. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody anybody that's calling themselves Bloodbath. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, they're not fucking around. <laughs> that's that was, what that I'm was a good question. <laughs> not fucking around. Yeah. It's like hard stuff's really masculine presenting. Yeah. Like yeah. Um streetwear. When I think yeah. uh, studs, I think streetwear. Yeah, yeah. yeah like this, I can't even articulate it, but there's also like a certain kind of demeanor. It's a demeanor. It's not, like yeah. I, I, I wish I could articulate it more than that, but it's like that's the sex. Well, when we were talking earlier about like what attract, like that's what's attractive to me. It's like regardless of like the pre, the gender presentation, it's the it's that like hard stud um, demeanor and the energy, that attracts yeah. the energy. Right, right. Yeah, maybe it's like the assertiveness or like the aggressiveness. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. like the AG. Yeah, yeah, energy. So you think AGs are different than hard studs? I I was just as you said that. I was like, I don't know. I think AGs are different than hard studs. Yes, I'm. 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 I'm persuaded. I wouldn't call them hard studs. Okay, touche. Like, um, you know who I'm actually thinking of? Uh, There was this uh, girl. Back in the day on YouTube, King Kells, I think their channel was called Suck My Strap. I would say she's an AG. What makes her different than a hard stud? I think it's just the demeanor. demeanor. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. It's like a, it's a more femme demeanor. Yeah. Even though the aesthetic is still very like hard. Yeah. 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 All right. That's hard stud. Now we're going to go to stud. Stud. I feel like Lena... Wave is a stud. Yeah. I mean, also a yeah. fuck boy, but... We're just talking yeah, about studs. I, yeah, I was... <laughs> not, so, yeah, not I'm... all studs are mm-hmm. fuck boys, but Lena, I think Lena Wave happens to be a stud that is a fuck boy. Is a fuck boy, yeah. right? Because like, she, she absolutely doesn't give me like hard stud vibe. Not at all. Because like, yeah. like, she'll like, glam it up a hint like every now and then. Yeah, yeah, she might do the lash, yeah. you know, give you a cute, yeah. But still wear, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, a suit. And we'll do streetwear um, when not glammed up. What about soft stud? I was telling you before the show, I feel like soft stud, 
Is it Amber from Amber's Closet? Amber's Closet, yeah. Hmm. I feel like Amber gives me stem. Really? Yeah, I think she's a stem. Soft stud. And also soft stud is also about demeanor. It is. I think, would you consider yourself a soft stud? Um, I feel like, well, I think about when I think about my, I feel like I'm like a step below soft stud. Like, I've got the softness, but I don't really feel like I have that much studness. <laughs> you, like, you know what I mean? Like, when I really think about okay. me. I think, when I think of you, I always think of, like, like a boy. Like, yeah. B-O-I. Like, yeah. you're, you're a little, like, dapper dyke. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm only masculine. I feel like I'm mainly masculine in terms of presentation. Not really in terms of... That's it. Not really in terms of, like, performance as I'm flailing my wrist all around. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't feel... I mean, yeah. I don't... Well, I think there's certain parts of me that, like, maybe are considered... Like, like I'm not very much, like, a touchy-feely kind of person. Not to say that, you know, I guess masculine people can't be, but it's like, I'm not, like, I, I'm not really, like, touchy-feely, mm-hmm. like, but, but on the other hand, it's like, I feel like I'm, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, not that I guess it's a big secret. I feel like I'm, like, a very, like, sensitive, like, soft, like, something about the soft, when I hear the term soft stud, I'm like, what doesn't resonate? And it feels like the stud yeah. part. I'm like, oh, that's, it's like a touch too much. That's too much? Stud yeah. is too much? Stud is too much. When I think soft stud, I think uh, Tasha from the L word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sid from the internet. I mean, that's just, is Sid a soft stud or just uh, an emo lesbian? That, that, that Venn diagram is practically <laughs> a circle. I think that's a piece of the soft stud, actually, that I feel like when I think, not to get into, like, stereotypes, but there's something about, like, sensitivity and, like, I guess, like, for lack of a better word, softness <laughs> that makes me think about. Yeah. I don't know if we can talk about this person on the show, but I think mm. about, like, Babyface. Oh, yeah. what do you mean if we can talk about them on the show? I mean, I don't know if you Yeah, Babyface has been... Babyface has been on Queer Walk, Nikita. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, so like Babyface baby is one of our friends. Like, just... Uh, who is fine yeah. as shit. So, uh, there's that. But also, yeah, yeah I think definitely uh, soft stud vibes. So, yeah. what do you think... Hmm. I'm trying to, like... Like, what's different about... Babyface's uh, gender presentation than like yours that you would say that Babyface is a soft stud and not you. It's not. It's not about. Because hmm. y'all both give me very similar vibes. It's like y'all have masculine like presentations, but everything about you is like homegirl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably why you pulled the I don't bitches. Know. <laughs> I think I think I think the reality is that I think in a lot of ways I think I'm like I'm just I feel internally like very dainty sometimes. You 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 are very yeah. dainty. It's annoying. Okay. <laughs> All right, bitch. Okay, so like uh so after soft stud um like stem, so stem, yeah. 
I think like I I think I would say Amber's closet is STEM, like yeah. more STEM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, Zendaya. Even sometimes current day Zendaya. Truly, truly. And so, like to uh, to bring to bring it back around to Roxanne Gay, I feel like a STEM would like, you know, wear mascara, um, but also wear Tims, and have right, that right. Somebody at tagged the same us damn time. at the same damn time. Somebody tagged us on Instagram, and they were laughing about that lesbian ponytail. You know the one <laughs> where it was shaved, you know. not shaved. What is it? You have like the edge up and the it's ponytail. Edge up. So edge up perm a, ponytail. Edge up perm ponytail <laughs> mascara and uh, Tim's. That's. Yeah. These days it's like edge up faux locks ponytail. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. That's the, that's the stem. That's, that's yeah. the look. That's the look. <laughs> um, yeah. It's. When you yeah. Look, I think like. I think of androgyny when I think of stems yeah, and like, yeah. like people who can do both very well, like who yeah. can do like femininity really well, masculinity yeah. really well yeah, yeah, yeah. and blend both. Like if, yeah, like Tiana Taylor, yeah. um, as Marie, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. those are people that I think of when I think of stems. Sure. Um, when I think I about that comes back. What? I really loved STEM as like a... A term? Um, an intervention. Yeah. Are we bringing it back, money? I think we're going to bring it back. Let's do it. Let's do it. Why not? I think we should bring it back. Um, when I think AG, aggressive, there's some... Oh, I, I can't mm. call this person out. Um, you cannot, Nikita. I can't. I know. Um, what is wrong with you? Um, it's so funny. When I think of AG, AG, there's something about it something about that like presentation that like the other word that pops in my mind is like tomboy. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, you know, for lack of a better word, it's like sporty. It's sporty. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like athleisure. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's, ve- it's given very like, um, Oh, I just came from practice. Yeah. It's, a, it's like, it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Is she a yeah. lesbian? Is she a AG? Is she a tomboy? Is she just on the basketball team or is it all of them? Right. Right. Just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's something, yeah, it's like sport. It's just, yeah, some kind of like sportiness. I don't know. There is a documentary called uh, The Aggressives the on aggressives, YouTube, though. Yeah, yeah. Y'all should definitely watch that. Yeah. Um... And then, uh, then I think I would move into like from like tomboyish ag to like boys. Yeah. B o i. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what kind of masculinity does boy capture? It's so interesting. I can't think of. I feel like this is not, this is going to sound a little ridiculous, but I feel like when I think about boy, when I think about. Because it's like, we already know the aesthetic, right? Dapper. But mm-hmm. it also gives me, like, nerd in high school who's kind of cool now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, boy gives gives me very much I know things. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, um, yeah. Like, would love to have a real deep conversation about something only they know about. Yeah, Like, sure. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
It's like a um, nerd who finally found their swag. Yep, exactly. That, that, that. It's like a, a nerdy swag. Like yeah. nerd with drip. Nerd with drip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drip, drip. Uh, who? So uh, I'm thinking right now, like I was thinking about Van Bailey uh, from Brooklyn absolutely, Boyhood. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Van really fits, yeah. Yeah. And Irma, Irma Brienne. I I think about Irma when I think boy. Yeah, like dapper, yeah, dapper, sure. Really cute fashion. Mm-hmm. I mean, Allison Graham. Yeah, yeah, she does him. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's very boy fashion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Robin Crawford boy. is a boy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, when I was when I was in high school, we we used to say doms. Oh, that's that, a throwback. I haven't yeah. heard that in ages. Yeah, yeah. like short yeah. for dominant, but yeah, you actually didn't have to be any kind of masculine for somebody to call you a dom. You just kind of had to be gay. she a dom? I feel, like, I feel like that's more of like a sexual term now than a, yeah. like a gender presentation term. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, on the, like, uh, gender label front for, like, the feminine end of gender presentation, I think it's really boring. It's just femme and then all the qualifiers that go I with I must say the modifiers. That's not boring. Yeah. Earthy femme, lipstick femme, low something. Oh, you called yourself a low, low femme. femme. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm low femme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I'm good for a lip color. Not right. Like, but pop you, out you're not, yeah, you're Maybelline Superstay. You're not going to do a whole beat face day in, day out. And couldn't. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't know a thing. Wouldn't know a thing. Wouldn't know a thing. Uh, <laughs> sorry to them blending brushes. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not that girl. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I think I I like low femme. You know, I've, I've been... Th- I've been thinking about that all this time of like trying to think of like notable out queer women who represent these gender labels. And I'm just like, they all light skin. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's not an accident. Colorism is real of like who gets to trend on Instagram or whatever. Because I remember when like the Don't Rush Challenge was popular and there was that one with all the masculine presenting lesbians. And it was it was like. The do rag kept dropping to light skin chick to light skin right, chick. Right, right. <laughs> it's like they were all cute, but I'm like, is there no? Like I'm like, uh, is this it? And they all, you know, like like same relatively build, thin. Same body type. Yeah, body type. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow. There are like fat masculine presenting people. Yeah. There are dark skin masculine presenting. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I check all three right here. You know one right here. Yeah. The same the same thing for like uh fems is like when I when I think about my frustration around like lesbian representation and shows and stuff, it's that. It's like all the fems yeah. have to be like really yeah, yeah, thin, yeah. light skin, like this loose right. weight. Like they all look like Zoe Kravitz for more or less, you know? And it's like Hmm. Even even with the new iteration of the L word, like no, you know, um, 
what's her name? Bet's daughter is like the darkest skinned person on the whole show. Right. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's why I love the show Shrill. I mean, I hate that show. I think it's, it's I think it, what yeah. irks me is that it's centered around this um, white girl who like the, her only personality trait is that she's fat. But um, she has this, this dope ass best friend who's black, fat, a lesbian, um, femme presenting, and right, it's right. just like taking them down. You know, she she she's beating them off with a stick, and her her outfits are always cute. Her hair is always cute. She's not like you know the tragic, sure, sure, sure. lost black girl who you can tell is not in community with other black queer women. You know, yeah. So I love her because I I just like hold on to her <laughs> as like visibility of queer fat black women. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure. And maybe Roxanne too. Maybe that's why I feel so protective of Roxanne Gay. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. Uh, I think we did talk about labels before. It was around like, do you like, la- are labels like uh, functional or not? And I think this is the way that they're functional. Like when you're able to self-define. Self-define. Um, yeah. 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 I don't, th- I don't think like the way people take them up as like uh, divisive and stuff yeah. like that is useful. But I do think finding language for how you express yourself is like amazing. It's the best, best feeling ever. I don't think, I don't, I don't think I had like thought about it in that explicit way. But I, I think that that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, you trying to like discover and make sense of yourself that makes sense to me yeah yeah and find community which i think is what i keep taking in from you yeah it's like yeah labels are helpful not only in just describing like you know oppressions and marginalization but also in finding community yeah so yeah all right so is there anything else you wanted to say or is that a wrap on this bonus episode I would like to hear from listeners what they think in terms of like these like schematics that we drew up around um, that specifically like lesbian gender identity or queer women's gender identity or queer women of color, black lesbians, like gender identity and Mm -hmm. these if if they agree with us, if like how they define these things match up, if there's terms that we didn't capture, because it's like you know we don't we're not the end all be all of this. Yeah. So it's like maybe and then maybe like you know you and I are both, uh, thirty in our thirties. So only the Lord knows what the young kids. Oh gosh, what are the youngins saying? Yeah, I I, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, uh, lesbian terminology is also really regional. So, yeah. I think if I don't, I don't know what they say on the East Coast. I mean, on the West Coast, I've never been out there long enough yeah. to find out. Probably something so. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. All their slang is ridiculous. Yeah. Hella, it doesn't make any sense. Like what? Okay, um, East Coast elitist over here. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure we'll get messages about yeah. that. <laughs> About me being an East Coast elitist? Both of us. Queer Walk oh. engages in West West Coast erasure. <laughs> it's going to be 
so weird when um like I get to Tacoma and there's like a group of queer women of color ready to whoop my ass for yeah. trashing the West Coast. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, I told her not to say that. <laughs> I don't know where she got off even talking like that. It was down, it was downright rude, is what it was. Okay, sure, Nikita. All right, well, and you all need to send us your curved chronicles so we have some to yeah. share. I knows, like I knows, folks is doing the zooms things. Exactly. Like, come on, tell us, tell us. Yeah, y'all, TikTok would love for you to share it. Virtual boot rocket. I don't know what the hell y'all into, but either way, you all need to share with us and tell us. At QueerWalkPod at uh, gmail.com. Or you can just throw it, you can send us a DM or throw it in the hashtag, QueerWOC. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And y'all just listen to Queer Walk the Podcast, Pride 2020, Episode 2.